You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Howdy, y'all. This is Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the host of this podcast, Women of Influence. This podcast features conversations with Columbus's leading women in business, in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today, we're chatting with Linda Swearingen, Partner and Executive Vice President of Asset Management at Casto. Thanks for joining us, Linda. Oh, thanks. So to start off with, uh, just to kind of expand on your title, can you tell me a little bit more about what it is you do at Casto, kind of what you're responsible for uh, at the company? Um, as part of the asset management group, Casto. Well, Casto is a company that's been around since the you know nineteen twenty nine, um, doing commercial shopping center development, and we also do a lot of residential development as well. So over those years, you know, obviously there's large owner groups, and what my group does, which is a group of about five or six of us, I talk about it as if it's a little bit like a stock portfolio manager group except we have hard real estate assets. So our jobs are to make sure that the assets are performing, they're staying well leased, that they're creating value for the owners, that they're creating distribution opportunities, they need to be redeveloped. Um, You know, our group looks at that if they need to be refinanced. So we just kind of make sure that that whole group is taken taken care of for the benefit of the owners. And so this is a big question, but what, if any, impact has the pandemic had on your sort of sector of the world? Or has it, you know, been kind of business as usual? No, not business as usual, for sure. No, it, uh, it rocked the world of the, of the real estate group. I will say residential, not so much. Residential did fine. I think, you know, people were hunkering down in their homes and they were making their, their rental and their rental payments. So that, that was good. But on the commercial side, we basically took a majority of a large portion of the company that did development, leasing, legal, and we all got together within a week or days of this all happening and reached out to almost every one of our 2,000 some tenants and talked to them, walked them through it. You know, when you close a business for months at a time, that's obviously going to hit them pretty hard. We have great relationships with our tenants. It's one of the things we pride ourselves in. And I, I've always reinforced with the organization as well as my group. So while it rocked our world and our tenants' world for a couple of months, um, I think working together collaboratively, we you know worked with them on some deferment of payments 
on some repayment plans that would happen when they got their feet back on the ground, which began sometime September, October, and some as late as next year. We did have to reshuffle. We kind of watched some of the expenses on the property and had to put some of those on hold until the next year. But I think with the collaborative effort and the tenants understanding that, you know, we were there to help them as much as we could. Um, I think we came out really strong. We came out good, kind of like going up and down a hill. I mean, it was going way, it was pushing that boulder way up the hill. Um, we're not there yet, but I, I think it'll be good. I think the hard part for the commercial commercial side is a lot of weak tenants that were weak prior to the pandemic. This just this just took them down. So you did have a lot of bankruptcies that our real estate type sector was not hit as much. We have a lot of grocery acre centers, so obviously we all know that those were extremely busy. Um, the groceries were, but you know you did have a lot of tenants that ended up filing bankruptcy, whether it be the J.C. Penney, which we had just one of. But you had the Stein March, you had the Asina brands, which was Ann Taylor and Dress Barn and Pier One, and you know the list kind of goes on with GNC Tuesday morning. But but we'll get through that as well, and I'm confident that we have a strong group and strong real estate assets. But um, it's it's been a tough a tough time, and certainly every industry learned to pivot very quickly. Every single person I've been doing this for 30 plus years, and it was one of those times when I sat back and said, "What do we do?" Mm -hmm. You know. Everyone asked each other that question. It's amazing to think now that we've been doing all of this for almost a year and it will be, I mean, my office, we're not expecting to go back into the office, you know, until at least later in the second quarter. So that so many of these changes and pivots that we had to make, I think, you know, back in March, we were thinking, oh, like six weeks from now or a month from now. And actually exactly. everything has changed so dramatically for the long haul. And some will, some will stay. I mean, we, we did a lot of our property management group did a great job of pivoting and, you know, we, uh, marketing was, was excellent to respond and said, how can we help? We on, on the owner's dime, you know, we created signage for all the tenants that was nice and professional and said, you know, if the tenant was doing takeout or delivery or curbside, we did signs in the parking lot for, you know, pickup. Um, we did whatever we could to, to help the tenants. And I think some of that stuff will stay. You know, you mentioned some of those major players that did file for bankruptcy. Is it kind of too early to tell if there are other retailers or other tenants that are available to take over those spaces? Kind of what are you seeing from the turnover perspective and filling where you did lose some tenants? Because a lot of relationships we've created and the good people we have in the organization, you know, we reached out pretty quickly to people we thought could be alternative users. And quite honestly, a lot of them may be alternative users. One of the shopping centers where JCPenney is, we're likely selling to a car dealership and they needed a space. And we're like, well, we have one now. Other ones, it may be an anchor building may come down and it may be two out parcels now. So we'll get creative. Um, but I do think there are tenants who are still very active and growing. Um, a lot of your discount retailers, the TJ Maxx's of the world, your five belows. There are lots of those tenants that are very active. We're actually working on a Hobby Lobby deal already. So there's still a lot of very, very active, good retailers in the market. And again, our, our real estate's well located and we're fortunate the kind of co-tenancy we already have, which is part of what my group does to make sure that you balance who the tenants are in the shopping center. So we're, we're confident that, um, you know, we, we, we still like to shop, even though online went way up. <laughs> a lot of us still like to, even if it's order, even if it's ordering online, people still like to go and pick it up right away. 
mm-hmm. distribution logistics has been been kind of chaotic as well. So knowing you can put your hands on your product as quick as possible is good. And our, you know, the commercial the commercial retail properties still offer that opportunity for for the consumer. Yeah, there definitely are some limits to. I had to. I am um, about eight months pregnant, and I finally had to buy some new oh, clothes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's been nice in the pandemic. I really haven't had to buy a lot of maternity clothes because, like, I can all right sweatshirts and stuff. But I have a few things coming up, uh, and I was like, I really need to go try stuff on. Like, I can't just like order random things. Right. Like, I have no idea like what will fit how right now. So yeah, there are still some times where you need to be able to go put your hands up. Oh. Yeah, people still like to touch and feel. And even though ordering clothes online is good, I myself only do it if I like already know that I like it and have worn it and what size it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little behind the curve on that, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it, 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 that does present a challenge. So I still, yeah. think, I still think there's always going to be people are always going to want to go shopping. Yes, and yeah. not just not just cruising on their computer doing it. They, mm-hmm. they, they do like, there is a social aspect to it that people mm-hmm. enjoy and someday, hopefully soon, it'll be back to shopping normally. Personally, or kind of still work related. What has it changed for you, the pandemic? Have you been working at home the whole time? Did you do any sort of hybrid? What is, what is your workflow look like right now? Yeah, I mean, our, our organization is considered an essential business, but, but we really did push the, our organization to work at home if you could work at home. You know, most of us were already somewhat technologically savvy, but face it, like, you know, using team meetings and, you know, I'm a person who gets up and walks around, you know, I get a lot of steps during the day. You know, I like to be face to face with people. I like to talk to people. I find, you know, mentoring people and teaching people is, it's hard to do over the phone. So that was a little bit of a challenge for me, this um, FaceTiming and Zoom and Teams was a little bit tough, but, but we got people acclimated pretty quickly and we were able to go into the office when we, you know, could and kind of not have too many people in the office. We started getting a lot of people back in the office a couple months ago and we kind of said, whoa, it's starting to pick back up again out there. So we kind of asked people to go again and work remote. You know, I'm remote most of the time right now and still do go in a couple days for, you know, you still have to, there's certain things you still have to do in person. It, it has been different. And I can't wait to get back in the office with everyone. I just, it's, it's, I cannot wait. So. <laughs> yeah. I feel like what, one of the hard things is um, for me, at least the reason that I'd like to be back is to do collaborative stuff. And that's the type of stuff that's going to be a little bit higher risk interaction in the, you know, if we're all sitting in a conference right. together or whatever. Right. So, but yeah, it's, there's so many different, we just were having a conversation amongst people in my office about, like which platform a certain conversation was happening on because we've got like Slack and Teams and right. all the different things and it's just been a lot to keep track of. Uh, well, I think one of the things that you miss so much with that interaction is, uh, at least for me, we have a lot of young people in the organization and if they call you and you go over something, you answer the question and then you tend to move on. Where if we're in the office, a young associate came in and is sitting at the table across my office, we both have our mask on, we're talking, but we talked for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. His questions kept going and going and going. That interaction was harder to happen. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think companies, it, that collaborative approach, I, just like our kids, the learning is a little bit different. Yeah. So that's why I just can't wait to get back in and yeah. really be with people. For sure. Well, I want to go way back. For you personally, sure. how did you first get into the 
real estate industry? Is this something you wanted to do when you were coming out of school or just kind of fell into it or? I kind of fell into it. Um, like, well, I guess not unlike most, I mean, at least back in my, my day, I, I went to college and then I got the first job that I was offered basically. And that was in a um, commercial or it was actually in a, um, a bank training program, which was amazing. It was with the old bank one. And we started in that training program with 20 of us and we kind of circulated throughout the bank, um, which was awesome. Um, recommend that type of a training program for anyone, male or female. And I quickly figured out that I really liked the commercial side. I liked the finance. Uh, I was a finance major, fell into that role a little bit, had two great managers, fabulous managers in that, that area. The one encouraged me to apply for a job when the, I was a real estate analyst at the time. So I did, I had tool and die in real estate. So uh, I didn't know as much about tool and die um, and didn't, didn't sit with me as well as um, the uh, real estate side did. And they encouraged me to apply for the real, the lender job when it became open. I fell into that. And then from there, building relationships with my clients was really key. And I ended up going to work for one of my clients in North Carolina, took a chance, mm -hmm. which is one of the things I would tell everyone everyone in their career. I think sometimes women are a little more hesitant to take a risk and a chance. And I took a chance supported by my spouse, Alan, who just was like, let's do it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you want to move all the way to North Carolina? And he's like, well, you like him and sounds like a good move. We don't have any kids yet. So with his support, um, we moved to North Carolina and I worked for a real estate investment trust where I became the, um, I did everything. It was a very, very small initial. It was just after their public offering. So I did leasing to, I guess you would call it property management sometimes to even involving into asset management. And then I helped them do all their offering because I had finance background to help them do some secondary IPOs and acquisitions. We kind of did everything, which is where I ended up, I think, kind of falling into getting asset management training. And then from there, I built a relationship through some of the conferences and so forth that I went to with some of the Casto principals who were somewhat related to the company in terms of doing business with them. And we just would talk at different functions and got to know each other through different um, social events that were sponsored by my organization down in North Carolina. And when they were looking for an asset manager, my name popped in their head because we had a relationship. And again, a little bit back to my having a strong network system, my spouse said, well, let's move back. <laughs> Our parents were aging and we're like, why are we so far away? had two mm -hmm. children by then. So uh, that's how I fell into real estate and then fell into to working at Casto and spent almost 20 years and wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely yeah. love it. So are, were you from Columbus originally or just Ohio? Uh, oh, I didn't think, yes, I was actually from Springfield, Ohio. Okay. So I grew up in Springfield and my husband grew up in West Virginia and we both went to Bowling Green. Okay. So got it. And where in and came back to did, did you live? When you uh, we were down in the Raleigh area. Okay. Got it. And actually, uh, during the early time at Casto, we had some uh, asset sales and we're repositioning the portfolio that I worked on. And we uh, looked at markets that were growing. Columbus is a great market, but we had a huge concentration. So a little bit by diverse, like I talked about diversifying a, diversifying a stock portfolio, we thought we should diversify the real estate portfolio. And we did some reinvestments in the North Carolina and Florida market and mm -hmm. now have a North Carolina office in Raleigh. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Um, mm -hmm. I lived in, I had spent a summer in Charlotte when I was in college. Oh, we have some properties there too. It's a, that's a very nice market. 
working in commercial real estate, you know, certainly from my experience being a, a reporter, talking to people, it is an industry where you don't run into a ton of women. Um, are you, mm -hmm. you know, used to kind of being the only woman in the room or one of a few women in the room in your career kind of, and just what has that experience been like? Do you, you know, are you conscious of I'm working in a male dominated industry or, you know, I guess it's kind of just what you're used to, but just talk about that a little bit. Say, it's kind of odd. I, Cause when I heard, you know, thought about this podcast and thought about some of those things, when I looked back as a young lender, I remember walking out onto the loan floor and at the time we thought that we had 40 desks out on the loan floor and they were all open, no offices. And I was only one of two women and I never really thought about it. And I don't know why I never thought about it, except one day nobody was there and I'm like, where is everybody? And someone's like, what do you mean? Where is everybody? It's Friday afternoon, whatever. They were out golfing and I'm like, well, how do I get in on that? <laughs> so I did. I, my husband taught me how to play golf and uh -huh. I, got, I started being invited to play in the, uh, you know, golf scrambles and what mm -hmm. have you. So I just kind of acclimated. Um, I, it, I didn't see it as an obstacle. I just saw it as something I had to figure out, well, you know, how do I fit in? Women and men are different. There's no doubt about that. But I never saw it as a, I've never seen it as much of an obstacle, except that they're in this business, especially, I, I don't know why there aren't more women, except that the thing I would say is in the real estate business and sales, it's, there's a lot of negotiation and a lot of times negotiation is, you know, comes with a little bit of, um, not conflict, but it comes with a little bit of patient stand in your, stand your ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, a lot of tough, tough calls sometimes, you know, I just encourage women, um, to be okay with that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's okay. And, <laughs> uh, and, and you can do it and sometimes, you know, use, you know, use your personal relationships to your advantage in that. I mean, mm -hmm. not, you know, to, because getting to know people when I was a, when I was a young lender and even in the real estate business today, every deal is pretty much the same. I mean, when I would give a term sheet to one of my clients in banking, it was the same as, as the bank across the street. The difference was who did they want to do business with? And so I think that what I've learned as a female or just a person in business Building those relationships is, is really, really key. It'll help you in your career. It'll help you in your business. It'll help your company that you work for. If you decide to start your own company, people want to do business with people they know and trust and building those. And, and oftentimes, I think women sometimes have an advantage in that because mm -hmm. we're okay asking, you know, I, I used to collaborate with a peer of mine who's now president of a, a large read in New York City. And he would constantly say, how do you remember how many kids I have? Like, that amazes me. Like, how do you, do? but he remembered that about me, that mm -hmm. I remembered personal things about him. And we just were able to build a, a long lasting relationship in business. Don't ever be afraid to get to know someone better. Well, you meant, you alluded to, you know, one of the challenges of the pandemic being some of these, this relationship building is a little harder. You, mm -hmm. you kind of mentioned mentorship. Is that something that you do? you know, largely internally at Casto? Are you kind of building relationships with people across the industry? Say someone wants you to be their mentor. How do they make that happen? <laughs> I think I've always seen mentorship more as an informal than formal. I mean, obviously, if, if anyone wanted to have advice and, you know, counseling, not counseling, I don't like that term, but to, to just talk, I, I love to talk and mm -hmm. I love to share, you know, the things I've learned and the good and the bad and 
everyone that I've worked with, I have been very fortunate that I would say they were mentors, but they were more people who became advocates. And I think they became mentors and advocates of mine because I, I had an interest level. You know, I asked questions, I probed and everyone's going to give, everyone likes people who take initiative and are, are curious. I mean, curiosity, anyone in my organization or along the way who has sat down and been curious about something and asked questions, I remember them. And they'll often be someone I'll call on to assist in something else. So I think if you find someone you connect with, I think people should reach out and ask for, you know, can, can I shadow you? Can you talk about this? Can you ask me, here's a situation, what should I do? But always asking questions to learn as much as you can. I think you'll find out that you have mentors and advocates in many different ways. I mean, I, I see my spouse as an advocate and a mentor. I mean, he's always been a support system to give advice because he also doesn't, he, you know, he sees me, not the organization or whatever situation I'm in and vice versa, your friend, your peers. Mm-hmm. I talked about the, the gentleman, we had the same job at one point in time. And, you know, we would call each other all the time and say, well, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So, you know, mentors can also be at many different levels, not necessarily just someone who has, is older, has more experience. It could be a friend um, in a, in a peer situation at another organization. Shifting a little bit more to just about you, mm-hmm. where will we find you on a free Saturday morning? Oh, I wish I could say I was out running or exercising and doing <laughs> a bunch of stuff, but um, I just actually like to get up and sometimes just relax, um, <laughs> not do a lot. Um, yeah. My husband and I like to walk a lot. Um, you know, we're, we'd probably be out on a, we, and when we're in Dublin, we uh, uh, go over to Glacier Ridge and do very, very long walks. Mm-hmm. Um, we took our bikes to Florida, so we don't have bikes anymore and can't get one right now. So we're, we're on like a very long waiting list of getting bikes to, to go biking. I, I like to read, although it puts me to sleep. So, you know, I like to grab a book, but most of the books I read are just something that really doesn't make me have to think. It's not Harlequin romance, but it's, you know, it's, I like to read a lot of the books just about the beach, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, you know, about, you know, so just kind of, kind of chill. Um, my kids are older now. So before when they were younger, it was always running around doing things with them. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of like to find the opportunities to chill and, and catch up with friends, to be honest with you. I mean, just, uh, I think, especially this pandemic has made me reflect on, wow, I need to reconnect with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, been busy for the last 20 years raising kids and and working and uh I'm still gonna keep tabs tabs on my kids and kids and keep working but really catching up with friends is something that uh I think all of us probably just realized that we need to do a better job of it was definitely early in the pandemic I feel like I had like so many zooms with friends and like you know Mm-hmm. we're all looking for stuff to do and then it became a little bit like well there's not really that much to talk about because we're all just sitting mm-hmm. in our houses and um, it made me just miss them more it made yeah. me miss them more like yeah, I just you know been, oh goodness it's been a long time so no it was. able to do some more stuff you mentioned before we started recording that you're you have one son in college and then you are your other kids local or uh are they out of town somewhere um, one is a sophomore at Boston University, and he's uh, he was uh, well, one of my passions, I guess I will will say too, where you might see me spending my time is I 
I'm kind of a crazy person in terms of um, fundraising and development for a couple of organizations I'm passionate about. So there's a small one in Dublin called Welcome Warehouse that I've helped with their development and raising money and for them for, gosh, 12 years doing different, you know, fundraisers and a cabaret that I did the past couple of years with local Dublin City School students and teachers all performed. Um, but Kyle was in, very active in that the theater community in Columbus. So I was on the I'm part of the Columbus Children's Theater. So often my passion would be going to anything that I could do in the way of arts, which has been a total withdrawal. So that's a little crazy. Yeah. But his passion through that, that Columbus and the Children's Theater gave him huge opportunities to pursue, you know, after he graduated. So he's uh, in, at Boston University pursuing that. And my oldest just graduated um, master's in environmental science from Miami University. Oh, okay. So he's in, he's in the job search right now. And I think he'd like to stay in the Columbus area, actually. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot about Columbus that he'd like to stay around here. So, and that'd be fine with us if he did. But if he also <laughs> wants to go to Colorado or someplace else, that's fine as well. But mm-hmm. um, they're both special young men. Well, let's see, you've sort of dropped a lot of pieces of wisdom throughout but one of the things I like to ask to kind of wrap this up is your your best piece of advice for somebody entering the workforce today um you know especially given the nature of this podcast a young woman kind of graduating from college Mm -hmm. thinking about uh getting her career started what wisdom would you want to leave her with I think to kind of summarize maybe the four a couple things that resonate I think take it taking a taking a risk or a chance I had a pretty good pathway at the bank. It was a great place to start. And, you know, I, I, I will never, I, that training program and, and working for a big organization was a great place to start. But I took a really big chance leaving what was very obvious, a pathway that was being cleared and that I was on for an executive leadership at the bank and was told that as part of the program. They said, okay, Linda, you're now part of this program. And the day they told me that, I said, ooh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to North Carolina work for one of our clients. They're like, what? How did you do that? And um, so I, you know, I took a chance and mm-hmm. took a risk. And sometimes I think we as women, like I said, we sometimes do gear down the, the safer path. Advocate for yourself. I mean, there's, it's great to have mentors. It's great to have people that are looking out for you or helping guide you. But always advocate for yourself. I've gotten better at that in my older age. I was not so good at it at my younger age. So do it early. If you think you're qualified for a job, go ask for it. If you think that your salary should be different, go ask for it. Now do your homework, you know, don't just ask, but know why you're asking for something. But be, be your own advocate. It's, it's huge. Uh, mentors, like I said, good, but, but being your own advocate, taking a little bit of risk. And some of those things I think I've observed in myself and, and women that we're not very, we're not as good at as our counterparts. So just don't be afraid. And, you know, my last one, it really is, is back to those relationships. You know, if you see opportunities always, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but try not to burn bridges and uh, be okay that sometimes people, you know, may not be okay with the message you had to deliver, but still, you know, try to make sure you preserve that relationship as much as possible. Business isn't always easy, um, but it can be fun. And I've made a lot of great friends and met a lot of great, amazing people throughout my career. So I still hope I have a couple more years of career, but still don't continue to to, to work for many more years. But um, I think those would be my probably keys. 
I think those are all great. Uh, I really appreciate sharing some wisdom with us and taking the time. So thank you so much. It was lovely to chat with you. Thank you, you too. And good luck uh, with your, uh, your baby here soon. Yeah. We'll all be looking forward to <laughs> hearing what, how it goes. Yeah, hopefully. Parenting is amazing. That's probably <laughs> being, being, a, being a working mom. It's, it's um, being, a, being a parent is one of the most amazing things. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited. I think, uh, I don't know, it'll be, it's, that's one of the most interesting things about the timing of the pandemic is, is we may have like just gone back to the office when I'm coming back from maternity leave, or maybe we'll still be at home. So who knows? I can experience well, the working from home with a baby that so many people have gotten to enjoy. <laughs> well, ad advice as a, as a working mom too. One of the things I tell, tell yourself and others is, don't be afraid to delegate both personally mm -hmm. and professionally too. It's, it's okay. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, uh, sometimes I think we're, we want to do it all, which I think I've maybe tried to do too much of at one, at some points in time, but, but don't be afraid to delegate. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I appreciate that. I will keep it in mind. So, um, all right. Well, thanks Linda. Okay. Thanks. Right. Bye. Bye.